0: Good morning, good morning. Well, good foggy morning. It's foggy here in the in the middle of Mississippi, but that's okay. We're going to be powering through it for the next hour or so. You have tuned in to Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Gestalt Gardner. I'm your host, horticulturist Felder Rushing. Our producer is awesome Java Chapman, and for the next hour or so, this middle of January 2019, we're going to have fun talking about gardening. At least I'm going to have fun. Some of you may have some things you want to chat about that aren't so fun, but we'll see what we can do about it. Got some cheesy music coming up. There's quite a few events coming up in the next uh, couple, of three weeks some of you may be interested in. And I'm uh, going to kick around some ideas of stuff that's in bloom this middle of january in spite of the fact it might freeze this weekend we're going to talk about that too so if you've got some things you like to chat about this related gardening got some questions need a second opinion give us a call here at mississippi public broadcasting again horticulturist fell rushing gestalt gardener let's get dirty this is an mpb think radio podcast To hear previous
1: shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell rushing. Here it is, a kind of an overcast uh, midwinter weekend. We're going to be talking about gardening, though, and there's lots of stuff going on out there, believe it or not, stuff that doesn't depend on you or me. Uh, When I was walking in this morning, trying to get a couple of miles in when I I walked through a nice little neighborhood and then part ways along the frontage road and then through another little natural wooded area, see all sorts of things that are blooming and happening and coming up or fading or gone to seed or dropping their leaves or fall colors or squirrels or birds. Uh, Anyway, it's just sort of a good way to get me in the mood. And uh, I hope you have a chance uh, if you're able to uh, get out and have a nice little walk sometimes in the morning just to sort of get in tune with what's going on. I say it might freeze this week weekend, every time I look at the forecast, it's something a little bit different, but definitely going to get a little cold, at least through the central part of Mississippi. You don't know how far south down, you folks down around um, Fairhope and Mobile and along the Gulf Coast, uh, I don't know if it's going to get you all that bad. But uh, anyway, if you want to talk about some of that kind of stuff, that's what I'm here for. I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing, and um, and I've got... Plants just like everybody else, some that shouldn't be out there, that uh, wish it wasn't cold or hot or whatever it is in the current season, because I grow stuff from all over the world, things that I enjoy, things that, that that look good, that taste good, that smell good, that attract wildlife, and sometimes they need a little human intervention. Uh, maybe this weekend. Anyway, we're, we're going to talk about that. Hey, before we go any further, I want to give a shout-out uh, to all the volunteers that I, I chatted with this uh, past week. I went up to Memphis, to the uh, Memphis Botanical Garden, and over to the Dixon Art Gallery and Garden, terrific places right across the street from each other. Uh, and I chatted with the volunteers there in greenhouses and, and out potting plants up, getting ready for the spring plant sales and had a really, really good time. It was a greenhouse full of them. And, and for the most part, they were cheerful, or they were at least acting cheerful. <clears throat> While I was there at the uh, um, uh, there at the Dixon, I was walking around looking at their at their different kinds of Winter plants. I talked with Dale Skaggs. I've known Dale a long time. He's visited with me over in Europe. We've gone to botanic gardens, and I uh, showed literally coast to coast here and overseas too. But he's the director of horticulture there at the Dixon Art Gallery and Gardens, uh, again in Memphis. Uh, anyway, he showed me around his woodland garden, one of the coolest woodland gardens uh, in the the mid south he got all sorts of stuff blooming in midwinter, including different kinds of hardy camellias. He sort of specializes in, in uh, pushing the envelope of finding things that do really, really well without a whole bunch of care. He's got a lot of different kinds of hardy camellias in full bloom, some different hybrids. Uh, he's also got—hang on a second, let me— Somebody tried to give me a call there, and I was reading some notes. Uh, fancy uh, native species of Mahonia. Mahonia has bright chains of, of yellow flowers in the middle of the winter. Uh, witch hazel just beginning to bloom. It also has a really strange shrub called, and this is a weird word, named after a guy named Edgeworth. And so it's called Edgeworthia. Or it's called paper bush because it's been used to make paper. Anyway, it uh, drops this leaves. Medium-sized shrub, four, five, six feet tall. Spreading. Uh, I've got upside down clusters of white bracts right now with yellow flowers starting to stick out, about to come into full bloom. Edgeworthia. That's one of those woodland plants, needs a lot of organic matter, sort of like a fancy azalea, but it is a truly unique midwinter plant. Uh, and then when I was walking in this morning, uh, I found uh, an early blooming type of, of, uh, of azalea. I picked a few wildflowers, which are, by the way, every time the sun comes out in middle of the winter, it wasn't for folks like us. I don't know what the butterflies and bees would do, but I found a witch hazel in bloom, some of this little uh, hen bit that's a uh, a weed in some people's lawns, but it looks like little purple orchids and uh, white clover and just uh, uh, odds and ends out there in bloom, little uh, wild asters and daisies and dandelions that the butterflies and bees love every pretty day that comes along in the middle of the winter. Anyway, uh, I've got some things I want to talk about that are coming up, some events, but uh, let's talk with Craig. Um, I can't, if, if Craig's calling from uh, Mobile. Hey, Craig, good morning. Hey, Felder.
1: Good What's, to hear you.
0: Thank you. What's up?
1: I've got an age-old question. Um, I've got a bunch of um, uh, crepe myrtles on my street, uh-huh. and i I'm, am I'm really—I got my neighbors really into it. We all take care of them. But we will really want to make them really bloom well this spring or this summer. So when do we fertilize them, and what is the best thing to fertilize them with, and do we mulch them or not?
0: Uh, i hang up and let your answer. Okay. Well, you know, those are pretty straightforward questions. Um, I- all plants like mulch. The only plant that doesn't like mulch is iris. Iris really wants to be baking in the sun, but all shrubs do better. Their soil is, their roots are cooler. They stay moisture longer. Uh, the, the the extreme temperatures from cold to hot, uh, you know, is not as bad. But also, as the mulch is decomposed. As worms uh, feed on them and bacteria break them down and fungi, it feeds the soil. It helps plants grow better roots. So Mulch is always a good idea. I prefer bark. Some people use pine straw, but uh, my opinion, it's more ornamental than anything because it's so waxy it takes a long time to break down. But regular tree leaves, bark, those are great mulches for feeding the soil. As far as fertilizing, keep in mind, none is better than too much. So just a little bit of fertilizer scattered way out from the trunk. The roots of the trees and shrubs are, are, are not up next to the trunk. They're under the outer spread of the branches and beyond. So just fertilize very lightly sometime in the spring. I'm going to say March or April. It's not that big a deal. But if you overdo it, you get a lot of green growth and fewer flowers. So uh, less is more when it comes to fertilizer. And that's pretty much about all you can do. One thing you can do is thin out some of the clutter, you know, if you can reach up and cut out a few branches here and there, maybe thin a few limbs out, the energy that would gone to what you cut off will go to what's left, and that can make them bloom better. And then one last thing, and this is a, an oddball horticultural trick, uh one of those things that, that uh researchers found out, partly by accident, but country people have known forever. If you've ever heard of switching your okra, going out with a stick and beating your okra plants, they produce better. There's something to that. When you stress a plant, it kicks it into overdrive, into flowering reproduction. So if you can go out and, and somehow stress the plants, you know, uh, one of the easiest ways, this sounds really strange, but you can root prune. If you go out from the trunk four, five, six feet and make a few random cuts in a dashed line circle around the plant, just a few cuts four, five, six feet out from the trunk, believe it or not, that shocks plants into thinking that they're suffering and they'll kick them into flowering. We see that every fall after a big hurricane. Winds beat these plants around like crazy and then you get spring blooming things blooming in the summer. But a little bit of of, uh, pruning, a little bit of fertilizer, mulch, that's about all you can do. And uh, by the way, don't want to end on a downer note, but I uh, drove up to Memphis, and on the only way, I pulled off the interstate in, in uh, uh, a town up north to, to get me some coffee. And I noticed that the dreaded crepe myrtle bark scale is up there, too. We have a real serious insect problem Crepe myrtle myrtles called crepe myrtle bark scale. Not much practical we can do about it, it's not going to kill the plants. Pretty devastating, though. If you'd like to know about crepe myrtle bark scale, from me and keep in mind i taught the tree surgery course at state i work with the crape myrtle society of america i work with texas a&m i work in mississippi state i work with people who deal with this all the time i don't sell anything um if you want to know the whole scoop about crape myrtle Bart scale what it looks like what you could do which isn't much go to my personal blog dot blog. there's no ads I don't sell anything but go to blog and uh, just scroll down for the thing about crepe myrtles and uh, you'll see what's, what's headed our way unfortunately uh, before we go to we got some calls from scattered all over the place but let's take a real quick break and come back I've got some cheesy music I mean I, sometimes I say it's cheesy not cheesy today's music coming up in about 15 minutes is really cheesy um on the way in today, I stopped by a couple of my containers in my front garden. I picked some, some fresh herbs, things that I cook with. I got rosemary and oregano and parsley. I've got kale, got chives. These are the kind of things you, and I got mint. These are the things you can have in your garden, even in a pot or a patio, even in the middle of the winter. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff, though. You want to give us a call. It's toll free one eight seven mpb ring We'll be back with more right after this.
1: Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting to find out how.
0: All right, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Got a couple of callers on the line before I get to the end. Let me mention that the folks who showed up last week in the rain, in, I mean, we chucking it down uh, last Saturday. I uh, Had a home fruit seminar. Had 70 or 75, maybe 80 people there in the rain. We had a great time talking about stuff. And if you didn't make it, if you want to, my list of, uh, of uh, a, a little description of the best types of fruits and the best best varieties of fruits to grow as landscape plants. I'm not talking about commercial production, but landscape plants. There's almost forty of them that do pretty well. Some do great. They look great, and they make stuff you can eat. If you want a list of that, shoot me an email, garden at online dot org. I'll shoot it right back to you. Now let's go up to Tupelo and talk with Jerry. Good morning, sir. Felder. Howdy. What's up? Howdy. I'm
1: doing great. I'm doing great. Hey, yeah. I want to ask you a question. I know it's too early to do any kind of spraying for uh, weeds in the grass now, but uh, I wanted to ask you about applying a broadleaf herbicide under trees. I've got oak trees and hickory wood
0: trees. yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well. F- first of all, this is the time. You know, every mild week, it, it, you know, January is the time to control this. The, one, the ones that give us the most trouble in, in March and April and May, The, the you know, the, all those things that give us the most trouble, they're small right now. And they're uh, r- easy to kill. When they get start flowering and get bigger, they're actually harder. So this is the time of year to do it if you can find uh, a fairly n- nice mild day. Okay. Uh, but you do have a, a matter of fact. weighting lowers the efficiency of them. You do have a real good point, though. Uh, most of the herbicides that, that that they say to spray for these things say don't use around trees and shrubs. I can't go against federal law because that's what's on the label. But uh, a lot of commercial spray is fine. That if they'll use a coarse spray and just wet the plants, just. You know, just wet them. Don't soak them. Just wet the leaves on a pretty warm day. The stuff dries real fast, and it works better. So, if you'll go light, maybe a couple of light applications a week or so apart, better than one heavy, heavy dose that'll soak in and can cause problems to trees and shrubs.
1: That's that sounds uh, that sounds like good advice. Is there a particular uh, broadleaf herbicide that uh, pro, uh, provide less risk?
0: No, no. And and in in general, uh, I shy away from those. You know, people hear me talk about Roundup and stuff like that. But in general, this is, this is not a great thing for the environment, for the landscape. So, you know, the main thing is just follow directions on it. Uh, that, that's all I can recommend. And, you know, if you can, leave a few out there because, like I mentioned earlier, the bees and butterflies love these things. And if you'll just mow them in the spring, they won't interfere with the grass. They'll disappear. You can have a winter meadow and a summer lawn in the same spot. Yeah, I'm just throwing that out because I'm obligated to. <laughs> okay, thanks. Good luck on it. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Let's slide back to Jackson. Talk with Jim Jackson. Hey, Jim. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt. Oh, Bla- Rosenblatt. Oh, Jim in Jackson. Okay, sorry. I, I have a landscape architect friend named Jim Jackson I drink coffee with sometimes. What's up, Dean? I like your picture
1: of the world's t- or the Mississippi's tallest model tree on your blog site. That's pretty cool.
0: I think it is the tallest. I, I don't want it to be. I want somebody out there to have a bigger one. I really do, because it ain't a competition. It's a, who can have the most fun, but I appreciate that.
1: My question, though, concerns liriope. I really like it as a border of planting and also under shade trees, but I'm getting two conflicting bits of advice about how to deal with it this time of year. One bit of advice says to just leave it like it is and let the new growth come up through the old. And the other is to take a lawnmower or a weed eater and mow it all down and then let the new growth come up. Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a third one. First of all, the the, the the first thing is easiest. You don't have to do anything. The new growth will come up. The old stuff will it'll look kind of ratty. The combination at first of the old stuff will gradually fade away. So, you know, you don't have to do anything. Um, it, and it, unless you have leaf spot diseases, if you got a bunch of leaf spots on it, Getting rid of the old stuff will keep it from, the disease from splashing on the new growth, but that's usually not a problem. Uh, but as far as the second one, I would not recommend uh, pruning it with with uh, a lawnmower or a weed eater because you're going to really get down to the crown. Uh, you, you need to leave it a little on the high side, and a lawnmower can't do. If you can do it, with the weed eater and really crank it up where it's going fast and just cut it down to a couple of three inches, not down to the crown. Then uh, that, that'll do good. If you cut it too close, you damage the tips of that new growth coming up this spring. That's all you got for the whole year. And if you cut the tips off this coming year's growth, it's going to look ragged till this time next year. So if you're going to do it, uh, uh, Jim, I do it with a, with a string trimmer, really, really high speed, and only cut it down to a couple of three inches, not, not all the way down.
1: Is this the time of year to do that?
0: Yeah, you know, any time. I mean, like I said, you don't have to do it. The longer you wait, the more likely you're going to nip the tips off that new growth when it starts coming up. So the earlier, the better. Uh, I've got a few clumps. Uh, I, I'm sort of a nut about this. But a lot of people be surprised, but I actually collect different kinds of Lir- lirio. I visited a lirio farm in Florida a couple of weeks ago that specializes in them. And I have some. I grow just as flowering plants. Got one that has big flowers that, that are so big that the variety is called Christmas tree. Uh, you know, fist size clusters of flowers, and I cut those with pruning shears. Rather I really
1: than like the dark blue berries that appear on the variety I have. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, anyway, you don't have to cut them. You know, if 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 you do, just don't cut it down too close. And the lawnmower is going to cut it too close. Thank you so much. All right, appreciate it. Okay, dokie, okay. let me see now. Oh, we got the lines open right now. You can give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let me throw out a few things that are happening though this, this week, upcoming events. I talked about the fruit seminar we had last week and again I've got that uh the this six six page PDF file I just email you if you shoot me an email at garden. At mpbonline.org. Uh, anyway, coming up in uh, uh, a couple of weeks, January the 27th, uh, in the afternoon from 2 to 4, it's going to be a workshop on how to grow roses. Um, it's put on by the, uh, the the Jackson, the Old Garden Rose Society. Real folks are not the, you know, they're not snooty folks, so they're hardcore rose growers. They're going to show you how to plant them, how to fertilize them, how to prune them, how to propagate them, and all like that. So it's going to be at the Pearl Community Center in Pearl, Mississippi. It's going to be again at uh, 2 to 4 o'clock on January the 27th. Um, Also, there's going to be a pruning uh, party a couple of weeks. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, on Sunday, January the 27th, this is something near and dear, because I I grow all sorts of herbs, uh, mostly culinary herbs. But the Oxford Herbalist Guild uh, is having a winter wellness workshop, a little alliteration there, uh, infusing health and warmth in the winter. It's going to be Sunday, January the 27th. It's going to be from 1 to 4 o'clock to be at the Treehouse Gallery there in Oxford. That's a $45 fee, but it's a a, a three-hour workshop on, on winter herbs infusing health and warmth in the winter. And if you like some information about that, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to send it on to you. Meanwhile, uh, if you have any kind of questions, email to me, garden at org. Now let's uh, talk with John. John's calling from, uh, well, I can't tell you. Where are you calling from, John? Hello? Are you there, John? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What? What can I help? Where are you calling from?
1: Oh, I'm in Myrtle, Mississippi. Okay. I'm working right now.
0: Where's Myrtle? I've been everywhere, oh. and I—I I mean, I've been everywhere. Where's Myrtle, Mississippi?
1: It's—it's it's, it's north of New Albany, uh, closer to Potts Camp, I'd have to say.
0: Okay, on, on up there in the—the—the the, the, the ice box.
1: Oh yeah, it's cold.
0: <laughs> it's going to get cold this weekend. Oh, well, what can I help you with?
1: Well, I had two questions. Uh, the easiest one I feel like for you would be. Um, I have a Oregon Redwood I had shipped down, and it's in the yard. It's about four feet tall, and we boxed it up for the winter to try to keep them alive. But I was wondering if there was something I could do to supplement its growth just to make sure it stays healthy. And I know they're not made to grow in this area. Or- yeah, the, you
0: know, the, the, one of the biggest problems I have with this is, believe it or not, is our, our summer hot nights. You know, when it gets so hot and humid and uh, unlike Oregon and Washington state, Pacific Northwest, it cools down at night in the summer. It stays hot and humid. So that's what really causes problems. And if you push it with fertilizer and water, that gives it succulent growth. that's more susceptible to problems. So I just say keep it on the lean and mean side. Only give it a good deep soaking every, no more than every three or four weeks in the summer because they'll tolerate drought. And uh, And if you fertilize it, just a scant handful. Just give it a little fertilizer to keep it healthy. Not to push a lot of growth. We want it to grow slow and steady. And once it gets rooted, it's going to really jump. But the main thing is try, try not to push it too much, or else you'll you'll weaken it for the summer.
1: Would have never guessed to do that. I've been doing the opposite. So I appreciate that. And, uh, I have one more for you. Was um, I have a pear tree that has it appears to be some kind of blight.
0: What What, what do you mean blight Yeah, is
1: There is there. Is something I can do to treat it?
0: Okay, now we, we cut out. What? What was the blight? Describe the blight again.
1: Um, some of the leaves turn black.
0: Oh yeah, uh, and, and yeah, in the late spring and winter.
1: Yeah, and the fruit has uh, some kind of looks like orange mold.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is this called fire blight. And uh fire blight is a bacteria that spread from flower to flower by bees and it spreads from wild pears to our pears and some pears are so susceptible to it I don't even recommend them because you know, you it's just it's real predictable um some are resistant to it but anyway to answer your question You'll read all sorts of stuff about pruning it and disinfecting it. Forget all that. There's a spray that <laughs> garden centers sell. It's called Fire Blight Spray. That's the name of it. It's streptomycin. It's just like what we use, you know. And get this. It won't hurt bees or pollinators, but you have to spray it while the trees are in full bloom. Two, maybe three sprays when they first start opening, when the bees are working the flowers. If you'll spray streptum, this fire spray, it puts a protective film over the flowers. It keeps infection from getting in the tree for that year.
1: Well, you've answered all my questions very uh, concisely, sir. I appreciate you, and have a great day.
0: I appreciate you Ask me stuff I happen to know. Thank you, sir. I appreciate <laughs> that, which isn't always the case, not always the case. Now, uh, Kevin is uh, on the road. What's, where are you, where you calling from, Kevin?
1: Hi, Felder. I'm calling from Starkville. Oh,
0: okay. Well, what's up?
1: I've been uh, kind of southeast Louisiana,
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, I work up here. And uh, I have some uh, some lemongrass and uh, pampas grass and stuff like that. That's looking really, really ratty right now. And I was thinking about pruning it back while it's nice and cold. Yeah. How far back should I prune it?
0: Well, a couple of things. First of all, pampas grass—you can cut it back, cut it back to to a mound, you know, to a nub. Don't you know? Don't cut it flush with ground, and don't set fire to it. I've, I've seen some of your neighbors down there set fire to it, and it's real pretty, and it's real fun, but it really boogers the plant up. So, yep. and, and and you'll have to to approach pampas grass like you do licking an ice cream cone. Go at it from an angle and go round and around and around. If you attack it straight on, it's going to cut you to ribbons. So go or take your time and go around it. You know, making it small as you go around. Think think licking an ice cream cone. Uh, And you can go ahead and do that soon because once the new growth starts coming up, if you nip it, it's going to look ragged the rest of the year. So go ahead and do that sometime, you know, plus while the yellow jackets aren't active. There's going to be a yellow jacket nest down in there. So anyway, sometime soon on that. As far as lemongrass, lemongrass, you can cut it back. Uh, It's grown you know, the, the roots are used for flavoring as much as the leaves, but it's normally not winter hardy. It might be down in your area, but a lot of times they get damaged by winter, uh, you know, okay. even, you know, even on the Gulf Coast. So anyway, go ahead and cut it back, and let's see what happens. But the uh, main thing is uh, let's go ahead and get them done pretty soon before new growth comes up, which is just a month and a half or so well away.
1: Okay. Thank you. All
0: right. Appreciate it. All
1: right. Thank you. Have-
0: okay. Now, let's go to Vicksburg. Al, good morning, sir. What's up?
1: Uh, yes, sir. I have a uh, concrete drive and have a large oak tree beside the uh, uh, drive. And uh, apparently, the root has grown under it and oh, yeah. And uh, I just want—I was going to break it up and cut the root. Then
0: I said, "Well, maybe I shouldn't cut the root." <laughs> well, it's, it is going to hurt the tree. Uh, but do you have do you have plenty of room for roots on the other side, away from the driveway? Okay, it, it, it's not, normally it's not going to hurt to cut one or two big roots on a tree. Normally it's not. It's going to kill the roots on that side of the tree. But, uh, you know, it's either that or you're going to have to raise your driveway up and go around or something like that. But uh, I wouldn't cut any more roots than you have to. Let's put it that way.
1: Would it be possible to just cut the top
0: of the root off and then put some paint on it or something? No, because, uh, you know, the paint, any, anything you, you put on that. No, you know, paint just helps keep rot out temporarily. It really doesn't help that much. So uh, oh. you know, if you just cut it off, uh, what I would do is I'd get you, you know, a rock or a concrete gnome or something like that to put out there just to remind where it is. Because, but it d- d- doesn't do any good to prune them. That's just cosmetics. Now, Thanks if if if, if there's somebody in your family that says you ought to, then you ought to. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: what my wife was telling me, so I might do it yes, anyway.
0: The, the opera word, and it's not being patronizing, is survival skill called yesem. <laughs> I got you. I've been
1: there. Thanks very
0: much. Appreciate it. All righty, I got some really cheesy music, but let's see if we can squeeze another call in first. Paul is calling from Ridgeland. Hey, Paul. Good morning, sir. Paul. Hello. You're on the air, Paul. How are you? Uh,
1: this is this is Buford in
0: Ripper, Mississippi. Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. I, I push the wrong button again. Sorry. What's what's up? <laughs> sorry, Buford. What's up?
1: Well, this call calling out in my yard. I've got this uh, weed, a uh, hen bin and uh, uh, I've been fighting this thing for for all these years. It seemed like ever 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 winter, it come back even stronger. Oh yeah. And I use this play with Roundup you know, long February whatever and all. But the other day, I sprayed it. I went ahead and done it earlier. Uh, it was about 65, about 60 degrees. And anything will we'll kill it and keep it,
0: and keep it down. Yeah, well, yes and no. And first of all, I would never, ever use Roundup over long weeds, ever. Roundup, I only recommend it for a specific situation. And it, sh- and it can kill your grass because your grass is going to have a little green out there. I would not use Roundup is what I'm saying. Any you know, of the st- what
1: you're talking about
0: old grass? That's right, but you well, should. I've
1: been using it for
0: years. I ain't gonna argue with you, but I, I got to be honest about this. Roundup will kill Bermuda okay. grass, dead as a doorknob. I'm real sure of that it, it's only used, on, you know, only used away from other stuff. Anyway, don't want argue about that. The stuff that they sell that'll control dandelions and clover will kill henbit. What's but, that? Well, I mean, you go to any garden center, they got a whole bunch of different, it's like different kinds of hot sauce, you know. It's got all different brands and all. But uh, if it said dandelions and, and clover on it, it'll kill henbit, too. Now, here's the deal, though. Henbit comes up every year from seeds in the fall. And, you know, there ain't no way to keep it from coming back unless you uh, get your grass thick in the summertime. So you you might want to raise your mower up, make it a little bit thicker. But
1: Oh, yeah, I, I understand that. I sure do. But I know I, I've been... I tried everything, but that stuff, you know, it just keeps coming back, seems like stronger. Yeah, uh, if, and all, and, uh, if you know.
0: And if if you get a chance, I know it irritates you, but if you get a chance, pull one of those little plants up a little real close. I'm looking at one right now, plucked away. That little purple flower looks just like a little orchid.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm just saying. That's a, anyway. Go ahead and use something for dandelions or clover, and don't overdo it. You know, a couple of light sprays are better than one heavy spray. On that clover,
1: does that be something. Uh, I can't think of the chemical offhand that. That
0: we use in a pasture, you know uh I do not I I I I d I don't I I don't know. I'm sticking you know, the pasture people and the lawn people yeah, are whole yeah. different let's just say if it see a dandelions on it, it'll kill him a bit. Okay, then if it'll kill dandelion, it'll kill
1: kill him a bit. That's
0: right. Good luck on it and lower your blood pressure on this. Okay. <sighs> no, round up. I catch a lot of flack for recommended Roundup, even though I understand the issues. But squirting it on poison ivy, the hard to kill things. There's not a problem with it. But spraying it over the lawn, mm-mm-mm. Just because Hubert didn't, did, doesn't, mean, doesn't mean we can do it. Anyway, I got a pretty cheesy tune. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of, Wrong time of the year, but it's enough to get our juices going. We're going to take a quick break here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm horticulturist, fellow Russian. Me and Java are going to laugh and laugh and laugh about stuff while you listen to some cheesy tunes. We'll be right back.
3: Veritable vegetables are very good for you. Vittles made with vegetables are all the rave, it's true. Victors keep their vitamins and vegetables in view. Veritable vegetables are very good for you Timothy the tickler tipped tomatoes from age two Touch twenty-two tomatoes and ten will tip for you A tipped tomato trips you up by tickling your shoe And Timmy the tomato tickler tells us that is true carrots and went cruising in her car A career in carrots, Carrie cried, will carry me quite far Curiously she craved to catch some credit with the stars So Carrie created chocolate-covered carrot candy bars Veritable vegetables are very good for you Fiddles made with vegetables are all the rave, it's true Victor's keep their vitamins and vegetables in view And veritable vegetables are very good for you Sally shunned the seashell she was selling by the shore Shaken by her shallow success, Sally sought for more Soon she spied a stick of celery, scooped it up and swore Now I will sell seasoned salads in a seafood store Of peppers purple too But Peter in his poverty Had peppers oh too few So pretty Priscilla Parker With potatoes he did woo Now Peter and Priscilla Make potato pickle stew Veritable vegetables Are very good for you Vittles made with vegetables Are all the rave it's true Victors keep their vitamins And vegetables imbued Vegetables are very good for you. Jenny gelled the jelly on July 21st, but the chunky jelly wouldn't gel, one jittery jar just burst. So
0: job- Okie okay, dokie, okay, folks, welcome back. Um, Horticulture's fell Rushing. Uh, we were me and Job and Kevin Farrell in there yakking about stuff. Hey, by the way, a lot of people have been emailing me about this cold weather. It's supposed to get this weekend. At one time, I heard it's going to get down to like twenty one. Now it's twenty seven. I don't know what it's going to be, but you know, the truth is, I don't really worry that much about it. I grow mostly plants that'll take it. We've got a lot of plants out there that have been through this all the time. What gets the plants here in the deep south when we have plants that, that freeze? A lot of times is from staying cold for a long time or else a sudden drop, and that's what really gets them. Uh, it's hard to understand that we have plants that will tolerate minus 20 degrees in Canada that'll freeze here at 25 degrees because they're not used to it. It comes real real quick. So if you've got something tender out there that is particularly hardy, I mean uh, uh, sensitive particularly, uh, you might want to be prepared to cover it up. I don't mean keep it covered because if you cover up a plant and leave it covered and the sun comes out, that can do more damage in the cold. So if you've got something you need to throw something over, go ahead and put some steaks around it some sticks, some tomato sticks, you know go to the hardware store, you know, get you some sticks Throw them you know, three or four around it and just drape something over it that goes all the way to the ground. You're trying to trap heat coming up from the ground, not just protect it from wind. But have it where it drapes all the way to the ground. Keep it off the foliage. And if the sun comes out, take it off. Take it back off. Don't leave it on there. Um, things like daffodils. I've got a yard full of daffodils right now. I've got pansies. I've got... Uh, uh, all, all wildflowers. I've got camellias. Not worried about those at all. They grow up in, the, in Tennessee with no problems. But if you got something particularly valuable, just cover it up temporarily, and I wouldn't worry about it. Other than that, now let's slide down to Fairhope, Alabama. Katie, I appreciate you calling. What's up? So
4: I have a bed of heirloom daylilies uh-huh. that is overrun with dollar weed. And some other weed I can't identify, but it looks a heck of a lot like it's coming off the roots of the dollar weed, but it doesn't look like dollar weed. Huh. Um, I'm tired of fighting it, and I was thinking of pulling up all of my daylilies and putting them in pots for a little bit. Yeah. They also have a little bit of rust, and I think it might be in the dirt. No, rust um, is just
0: on the lilies, but, but keep going.
4: Um, and I was wondering, I, I want to treat the bed and then eventually put them back in. Is that a good idea? And what would be a good once I get all the daylilies out? If that is a good idea, what would be a way to get rid of dollar weed? Because I'm pretty sure they drove my grandmother to to the grave.
0: (laughs) Well, first of all, I I got I was talking with the the head horticulturist up in Memphis this past week. He's got dollar weed a new bed of his, and he was going nuts. And and we ended up laughing about it because the truth is. I know it drives y'all crazy. Dollarweed doesn't really hurt the plants. It's a companion. It grows with, not competing. So, in other words, it it, it bothers you more than it bothers daylilies. So I'm just, I'm just saying. So I wouldn't worry that much about it. But if you could pull up as much as you can once a year and live with what little comes back, that is about as effective thing as you can do. But to answer your question, if you want to dig them up, Uh, Clean them off really good. Put them in pots. They can stay there for months and months and months. Uh, While you rework the soil, dig it up really good. Get out as much of the weeds as you can, the roots and things like that, particularly whatever this other weed is. If you want to send me a picture of it, I might be able to identify it. But uh, get as many of the the roots and the little stems and stuff, because weed comes back from little bits of stem. And uh, get as much as you can, and then every couple of weeks, every week or two, just lightly till it up. In other words, keep bringing those things up, letting them dry out, and then do it again, do it again, until you basically wear them out. Uh, you You may have heard that you can cover it with clear plastic and steam stuff. That's called solarization, and that does work, but it works best in the summertime when it's really, really hot. Um, you know, so, if if you'll till it up, make sure it's moist, cover it with clear plastic, and weight the edges down with a piece of wood or something. Sun can shine through. It can superheat and steam weeds and things like that to death. But it takes a month or so, and it works best when it's really, really hot. So, okay, anyway, anyway, unfortunately, and I don't know what this other weed is, but it's, 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 it raises the large dollar weed is something, believe it or not, your daylilies can live with if you can just learn to. Sorry. If, if
4: dollar weed were dollars, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, amazing.
0: yeah. I, I get. We got a caller right before the break. He had henbud. I don't want to mention the henbit is perfectly edible. Dollar weed ain't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck on it. Well,
2: I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, no,
0: you bet. Okay. Now go up to Olive Branch. Hey, Tina. Good morning.
2: Good morning, sir. How are you?
0: I'm fine, thank you. What can I? What can you help me with?
2: Well, actually, I know. I hope that you can help me. And I know I heard you. I'm, I'm listening to this, the radio show uh-huh. this morning. I heard you talking about Roundup. Right. I use Roundup every year to try to kill the weed, but I tell you what, after four, three to four months, the weed comes right back. What well, What kind of weed is it? I'm ignorant.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm this ignorant. This isn't in your lawn, is it? Yes. It okay, is. okay. Roundup is is not and has never been recommended for use on the lawn. Some people do it, it it damages the lawn, it really does. Uh I I think Roundup is perfectly fine for things like poison ivy and privet and really hard to kill weeds, but anytime it's near anything else, Roundup can kill anything that's green and growing, including your lawn. So right off the bat, I, I would never recommend Roundup for, for on the lawn under any conditions, and I use Roundup. Uh, but to answer your question, no matter what you use, if your lawn is kind of thin, if it's mowed real close and it's never watered, if, if it's real thin, weeds come back from seeds. You can kill weeds day in and day out. More going to come back from seeds unless you get your grass really nice and thick that will shade the weeds out. So, you know, if you if you have a real problem with weeds, almost always the, the best control in the long run is simply raise your mower up, fertilize a little bit in the spring, you know, late spring, April or so, no earlier than April, and uh, at least every three or four weeks give it a good soak and we don't get a rain. Those are the three most important weed controls in lawns. And and I study turf management in Mississippi State. So raise your mower, water every now and then, a little bit of fertilizer, in April, that'll thicken your grass up, and you'll have fewer problems with the weeds. And then the weed killers are less likely to damage your grass. So, not not trying to lecture here, but uh, it just scares me when people use round, Roundup. is cause we have enough problems with people misunderstanding it, uh, and then when when we kill plants with it, just not good. Right. Sorry, uh, and but there are insane. there are other weed killers you can use though. So you know, if you want to shoot me an email, you know, I can give you uh you know some some things that are designed for killing weeds without hurting your grass.
2: Sure, what's your email?
0: It's garden at mpbonline dot org. You got it.
4: Wonderful. I okay, do, sir. Okay. Thank listen, you so much.
0: Stay warm this weekend. Why, I will keep your water running. If you going drip down, if it gonna drop down below the mid twenties, drip some water overnight. Okay,
2: well you're doing a great job, sir. Thank, thank you, appreciate
0: not. it. Thank you so much. Okay, now let's go to uh, in Jackson and talk with Dawn. Hey, Dawn. Good morning. Hey, Elder. How are you this morning? Fine. Thank you. Had a nice walk in. It's awfully foggy out there this morning. That's what
2: I understand. What's up? I just wanted to remind everyone you were talking about. Um, the temperature going down um, about the water garden uh-huh. um, to make sure not feed their fish, um, to lower their plants to the bottom, and to raise their pumps to halfway
0: in the water. You know, I did... Yeah. <laughs> It's really funny, because I I just cleaned my water garden out, though. It was a nasty job, too. I mean, I I dipped out all the water and got that nasty gunk. It was a horrible job. And I filled it with fresh water, and my pump's running a lot better now, but I forgot all about that. I'm wondering if maybe I should just turn the pump off.
2: Well, um, remember, if you turn your pump off, the top's definitely going to freeze. Yeah. All the way. And if you leave your pump running, it's going to leave a little hole so that the gases and stuff can escape
0: yeah yeah you know if, if it freezes for a long time that's probably you know just overnight it's not yeah. you know but one thing that i did learn is if you got fish don't go out there with a hammer and try to break the ice because yeah. the concussion can 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 damage fish
2: uh, it really can um and that's the worst thing that you can do if if the water freezes like that for more than about three days the gas will build up so get you a pot of hot water Set it on the top. Be sure and tie a
3: string
0: to the end of the handle. You you know, I bet, Dawn, that wasn't written in the book. I bet you you figured that one out yourself. No, after
2: (laughs) 25 years, you know, you have to learn the
0: hard way sometimes. That's some really good advice. Good advice to thinking about. You know, pets we think about, plants we think about, forgot about the water garden. Even I, I mean, I forgot about my own, and I just cleaned it out day before yesterday. Anyway, great tips. Thanks, Dawn. All righty, folks. We got some lines open. If you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I know some folks in Tennessee are listening and Arkansas, Louisiana, and in uh, Alabama get a lot of calls from there. Matter of fact, we have some sustainers, uh, MPB supporters who uh, are not Mississippians. We appreciate all that in uh, helping us keep this garden party going. We don't care what you got on. Don't, you don't even have to have anything on. I don't care. We're talking about gardening, folks. And uh, if you have some questions, some concerns, if some things I talk about that you're uncomfortable with or take umbrage with, shoot me an email. I'm not a jerk. Well, I am, but not that way. (laughs) If you have some concerns about things that I recommend, shoot me an email. Let's talk about it. Or give me a call. You know, it's open-minded. We're here at MPB. We're called Think Radio. And uh, if you have a problem, I won't blink. We'll be right back with more of the MPB right after this.
3: mpbonline.org is the destination for everything mississippi public broadcasting catch up on past shows from think radio check out mpb tv or music radio and become a sustaining member all from one place get connected now
0: at mpbonline.org Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Fell to Rushing. We we're talking about gardening, all sorts of stuff going on with gardening. If you have some questions during the week, shoot me an email, garden at org. Before we go to these calls, let me just throw out that uh, uh I've got all sorts of things lined up. I may be coming uh giving a talk at a library near you. I'm going to be giving a talk in Macon, uh in, uh, down in Mobile at their Festival of Flowers in March, Hattiesburg, uh, Carrollton, Meridian, New Albany, um, uh, Walnut Grove. We're going to be talking about gardening all over the place. If you uh, have a library, a friends of the library group, like me to come up and give a talk, we'll have a lot of fun. Shoot me an email, gardening at org. Now, let's go to, uh, I, I guess, this, is it Lewis? Hello? Oh, hey, what's up, man?
1: Well, I have a place on the coast, and my neighbor has a big old cypress tree. Oh, boy. And it's right on the property line, and it's got knees running (laughs) everywhere. Yeah. And it's running in my property, and it's also running under a slab where I keep my boats. Yep. And I've taken a Sawzall and cut the tops off them, but that doesn't do anything for the ones that are under the slab that it's starting to push up.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) What
0: can I do? Take take your saws all and about a foot on uh, out from the slab, just cut the root you know, the the those roots are gonna be uh you know, less than a foot deep, you know, six or eight inches deep and uh and just, just you know, just cut them before they get to your slab. Cut the roots there. That's about all you can do. It's probably not gonna hurt okay. the cy- cypress can tolerate a lot of root damage. I mean they're they're adapted for that. So
1: it's not gonna kill this tree.
0: No. You know, if you're cutting it off right next to the trunk, you know, it's gonna honk him off. Not gonna hurt your tree to cut a few that are, on, uh, you know, running it's through there. Probably
1: about fifteen feet. From no, the tree. no problem at all. I'd,
0: I'd go at least a foot, foot and a half, maybe two feet away from slab and just cut straight down. You know, you can go a little bit close. I wouldn't cut, uh, you know, within about uh, eight or ten feet of the tree, but it's no problem cutting straight down.
1: Okay. Next question: Will they will they continue to grow once I cut them?
0: No. No, the 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 parts that the you know from from the part that's still hooked to the tree, those will branch back out. You may need to come back every two or three or four years and recut that's that what, area. That's, but what the, I mean.
1: that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. No problem. But Thank I mean, much, I mean, well. I mean, under under your boats. Come on. I mean, we could tolerate it out in the grass, but not under your boats.
1: Well, not under the slab. <laughs> up.
0: Good luck on it, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, now let's go to uh, Long Beach. Hey, Ginger. Good morning. Hi, Felder. Good morning. Hello. What's up?
4: Okay, so um, we have a St. Augustine grass. Uh huh. Um, and it has just been very problematic. Um, we've had brown patch. We've had gray leaf spot. We've had um, nimble will. Mm-hmm. And. The the funguses are pretty easy to treat, but the nimble will, we cannot get rid of.
0: Okay. I, I don't know what nimble will is.
4: It, I guess a lot of people call it torpedo grass.
0: Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I know torpedo grass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. That's a tough one, too, uh, because what will kill torpedo grass can kill St. Augustine. You know, there. I think that there's a, there may be a herbicide that will kill grassy weeds in St. Augustine without hurting it. I'm not sure, you know, because that's a particularly bad, a tough, tough control grass. Um, if you can send me an email, I've got a, a, a fellow that I call immediately who can h- help me out on this. If there's something that will control torpedo grass in St. Augustine, I don't know if there is or not, because some grasses... Uh, well, to kill some grasses, will kill St. Augustine. That's what I'm saying, and I don't know about that particular one. It's a tough one. Though. I do know this. Uh, it's not any fun, Ginger, but if you don't have a lot of it, if you can pull it up and then come back before it gets really established and pull it up again, two or three pullings, you can pretty well peter it out, but you got to stay on top of it, not let it get reestablished after each pulling. Uh, you can also let it get a little bit taller, and you can just brush the foliage with, the, with weed killers. As long as you don't get it on your St. Augustine, it can kill it roots and runners and all. But that's that's kind of hard to do because you've got to not mow your grass for a month or so.
4: Well, so. and it tends to grow in the really low areas. Yeah. So we've tried... Um, raising those areas and adding compost and it just it just um, makes it happier it mixture. it just it just it makes does. it happier
0: it just makes it so that it is, is
4: it's taking over
0: it's a tough one. It really is a tough one, and uh, and I, I I've only had to deal with it personally one time, and it was in an area where I could just kill it. It wasn't in the grass, so this is uh, I've got a, a a turf guy down on the coast who deals with this a lot. I'm going to see what he does. So either shoot me an email or tune in next week. let me see what he come up with, but it's a tough I one. I
4: will absolutely do that okay, then they just take roundup.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. We, you know, like I say, let me let me do a little research. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm the type of expert who's not embarrassed about saying I don't know, but I know how to find out. righty. Whew. I never nimble nimble will and haven't ever heard torpedo grass. It's called torpedo grass because it grows like a torpedo right through your lawn. Hey, let's go uh, up to an Olive Branch. Hey, Pat. Good morning.
5: Hey, Felder. Good morning to you, dude. Hello. How are you? I'm just perfect like always, cold.
0: It's going to be chilly this weekend. What can we help you with?
5: Last spring, I planted a tea tree, T-E-A, like you drink, tea tree, right? Right. And I don't know whether to keep it covered. When it started getting cold, I covered it with, you know, the garden cloth fleece. Uh It's cold in England. Covered it with that, and I put rocks around the bottom, and I've had it covered all this Cold winter. Oh no, no,
0: no! It's a it's a camellia. You know, there's camellia japonica. There's camellia uh, uh, sasanqua. And there's right. camellia sinensis, and that's what right. your tea plant is, the type of camellia and uh, and it can take cold weather. it can't take really, really hard cold, but I would only cover it if it was going to get down into the uh, mid to, uh, down below thirty. I would only cover it just during because these plants are actually native to areas that stay cold in the wintertime. See, so keeping them covered is can cause them more problems. And I'd only cover up is going to dip down below thirty, and and then only just for that time.
5: Okay, thanks. That answered my question. Thank oh, you, dear.
0: Well, I got a question to ask you. Have you ever made tea with it?
5: I have not yet. I went to Mississippi Tea Company and your website, and everybody says to wait to pinch those two top leaves in the bud. Wait until it grows a little more. It's yeah. about waist high now. So next this spring. I'm going to, I
0: think. Yeah. If you just prune it like, a, like you would a boxwood or something like that, it's that real tender new growth that you make tea with. And, and you know, you can cut it and then right. cut it. You can cut it uh, several times, actually, to keep new growth coming on it. Uh, I wouldn't prune it past about the, oh, towards the end of August, I wouldn't prune it. But anyway, just, uh, I, I would uncover it except during real cold weather. So good luck on that on tea in Mississippi. We got a couple of old boys down on the Gulf Coast who do a great job with that. And uh, a matter of fact I need to get down and visit them again. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. You've been listening to the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Java Chapman, the producer. Kevin Farrell has been the the, uh, the phone greeter. I'm um, was horticulturalist rushing. There's a few things going on. Shoot me an email during the week if you've got some questions, some things you want to share, some things you want to ask or argue about. Garden at mpbonline.org. But meanwhile, if you have a chance, take a kid to a garden center. Take them to a farmer's market. Stay warm, stay dry, stay blah, 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 blah. But show kids how to get dirty. See you all next week.